0: It's a Mailbag Monday. We're getting into some Joe Missoula hate, enforcers on the Celtics, Bradley Beal helping the Celtics out, and the best Celtics by decade, plus much, much more right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number eighteen, Tatum and Brown, J team step back. We gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O'B. Corraling above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, Heat John on replay. Prime time, dappin' up the truth on the sideline. Brandon James, how we started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there. Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, Monday through Friday. I got a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're subscribed, so you know what to do. Smash that subscribe button. Get me on YouTube. Hop into the comment section there. Let me know what you think of the show. Think of the Celtics. Think of the answers that I'm giving you today on this mailbag Monday. I'm John Corrales. I played... Pro ball a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and now I'm covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. So thank you for including me in your daily routine. Today it's a mailbag Monday. Got lots lined up for you. I think next week we're going to do a mailbag Monday, and then after that it's going to be less regular. It's a nice Monday thing to do in the off season, but next week is the last Monday, the last mailbag Monday. Before training camp, and so uh, next Monday is the uh, media day. So the Tuesday show next week will be all about media day and a lot of things that are going to be addressed there. So uh, yeah, get, you know, all this week we'll be previewing stuff. Uh, just subscribe. <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought, so I'm just going to dive right into the mailbag questions, which you can see if you're watching on YouTube. It's JohnCorrales.com/slash/mailbag to submit your questions, johncorrales.com slash mailbag to submit your mailbag questions. We're going to kick it off with Nick who says, are there any other fans out there that aren't in favor of Joe Missoula? What are there? Hmm. Let me check. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I think there are a few. He says, I think this season he fails. I don't like his rotation. Peyton should be getting more minutes. Well, you're not alone. There are a lot of people who don't like Joe Missoula. There are a lot of people who do. I think it's kind of split. I don't know if it's 50-50, 60-40, either way. I don't know what the split is. There are plenty of people who don't like Joe Missoula. I am, you know, I certainly disagreed with a lot of the things that that, that he decided um, along the way. I didn't like how he used Marcus Smart. I think leaning on Jason Tatum to handle the ball as much as he does, as I've said, I said last week on a podcast, Uh, Multiple times I've said on a podcast, I think it's just too much. I'd like to see Tatum more on the move, catching the ball on the move, attacking a defense that's moving. But I do also think that Joe Missoula is a very smart guy who knows basketball. A lot of people that I've talked to, uh, a lot of coaches that I've talked to say, Joe Missoula knows ball. He's a very smart guy, and he's an NBA head coach. And I am not going to lose sight of the context of how he got the team last year, the weird circumstances, not having a summer to plan, not having any chance to hire his own assistant coaches. And I think this year is, is much more indicative of who Joe Mazzula is as a head coach. He's got not just a year under his belt experience. He has, uh, a year under his belt of um, you know making the mistakes, building the relationships with these guys, uh, understanding what the job entails. It's easy to sit next to the head coach on the bench as an assistant. Actually, it's not that easy. But uh, the point is, it's easy to sit there, but it you don't realize all of the things that you have to do as a head coach. You talk to the media every day. You are, being pulled in a bunch of different directions. The assistant coaches get to go and work with their players and and handle their responsibilities. The head coach uh, is talking to the GM. The head coach is talking to all the players. The head coach is talking to all the assistants. He's putting a plan together. He's running the whole, you know, practice from, he's putting the game plan together. He's in charge of all of that stuff. And, you know, an assistant can sit there and say, I would do this and that and that differently. But, I'm, I'm giving Joe Missoula that, that, that one year, even though I disagree with a bunch of stuff, I'm not going to say, sit there and say he had a great year as a head coach, but I'm also not going to say that he had a bad year as a head coach. You know, it, it, there's, there's something to be said for getting as far as they did and, and staying together and fighting and, you know, to, to come back from three Oh and force a game seven against Miami. I know it never should have happened that way in the first place. Never, they never should have been down 3 0, but he if he had that locker room. They responded to him. So I'm very interested to see what Missoula does this upcoming season. So I know, Nick, that there are a lot of people out there like you who didn't like what Joe Missoula did last year. And it's very easy to say that's who he is. Uh, It's hard to shake that first impression uh, in any form. So I get that people are going to say, well, what else would we expect from Joe I'm I'm just going to give him a lot more leeway this season because now he has that year, that summer, the planning, all of that stuff. Now I want to see what he really is and why so many people believe in him. A lot of people got to understand a lot of people in the league, a lot of people in coaching, a lot of people around believe in him as a smart basketball guy. So uh, I know what it's like on the outside. I know what it's like uh, pundits wise and fan wise, but there there's a reason. So we'll leave it at that. Let's move on to Kendall, who says, "My question is, do you think with Brissett, Walsh, and now Stevens? By the way, Celtics signed Lamar Stevens. Uh, it's a partially guaranteed deal, so I don't know if he's going to make it out of camp or much past camp. But he's on the team. Six six and a half feet tall, you know, defensive minded guy. Uh, obviously." uh, Celtics lacking defensively. So he, there's a potential for him to help. Uh, anyway, the question here with Brissett Walsh and Stevens, uh, could our defensive tough guys, uh, could they be our defensive tough guys that will collectively come together to be enforcers of the team? They all seem like aggressive defenders. Uh, we know hope our offense will be clicking. Now we have three defenders off the bench. So there's a possibility. First of all, let's get this out there. Uh, stop with the Jordan Walsh thing. Stop it. He's not going to play minutes. He's not going to be part of the Celtics rotation this year. This, you know, Brad Stevens kind of set that expectation. I know he had a good summer, but he's not big enough yet. I don't think he's ready yet. He has a a very tough learning curve, uh, you know, for a guy who's as aggressive as a defender as he is. He's going to get in there. And he's going to foul a ton. Uh, he's going to go to Maine. Or we're going to see him in preseason. And I bet you, I bet you, he gets like five fouls in five minutes in a, in a preseason game. He, there's a potential for him to foul a ton, and we're going to understand that he's not ready yet. Now, could he be ready at some point during the season? I I don't think so because he's he needs to add strength. Maybe not necessarily a lot of size, although there's going to be some natural size that comes along with it, but definitely strength, strengthening his base, strengthening his core, strengthening his his just overall strength that will allow him to take contact and not just fall all over the place. So just get Jordan Walsh out of your mind right now. He needs time. Don't put the, don't put too much on the kid right away because you're expecting the expectations are off. Your expectation is off. Just give him some time. Now Brissett and Lamar Stevens could be a couple of guys. If the Celtics want to go super small, they have a possibility of going uh Derek White, Jalen Brown, Brissett, Stevens, and Tatum. That's a small lineup and Tatum at the at the five uh is, you know, depending on who the matchup is, that, that could be, first of all, Tatum is uh, able to block shots. So he's not, it's not the worst idea. Uh, you could take one of those Brissett and, uh, or Stevens out and put Robert Williams in and just have a more natural rim protector back there. He's the same size as Tatum. So you're still kind of going small, but if you, if you wanted to go that route, if you're up 10, and you wanted to get a bunch of stops and, and kind of win a game that way, that's a possibility. So enforcers, I don't know. I I think, I think getting a guy like Stevens on the team, I say this without seeing him in the preseason, maybe he, maybe he sticks around, maybe he doesn't. I think the Celtics need somebody like that after losing Marcus smart. I think you just need somebody with that kind of mindset to come in and, and change the, the, the mood of a game to change the energy of a game. If the guys out there aren't putting forth the right defensive effort, you can put Stevens out there and be like, Hey buddy, go out there and be a bulldog. Him and Brissette can go in there and yeah, they can sort of be enforcers. So I think Condell has uh, a point there with that, but I am going to repeat, get Jordan Walsh Out of your heads right now, just for now, at the very least. I don't think he's going to be a rotation guy. It's not a knock on him. He just needs a little bit of time to develop. Give the kids some time to develop. Don't throw him in there right away. He doesn't need to be thrown in there right away. So that's my take on that. Come back. We'll have a question about Bradley Beal and uh, helping the Celtics out. We'll see how that could happen. A question about Victor Wembanyama, Scalabrini as a color commentator. We'll talk about all of that in just a second. First, today's show is brought to you by DoorDash. Uh, If you need some fresh groceries for the week, but oh, you forgot it's Sunday night. Maybe you had a few too many watching some football games. You're like, oh, I didn't get to the store, but that's okay. You can try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. Now you can get your grocery delivery that actually delivers too. They've got thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You get exactly what you ordered or DoorDash will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. If you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites favorites with a $0, I like that, delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app, the best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. It's a limited-time offer, and terms apply. That's 50% off. Up to $20, no minimum subtotal, zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Why not go check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast drafts? I know your fantasy draft is going to be coming up soon. Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, Josh Lloyd has you covered. If you want to win your league, you got to make that podcast your part of your daily routine too. Listen to Lockdown Celtics, then listen to Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. You got yourself covered when it comes to all your basketball needs. Let's get back to the mailbag. Kendall had a second question. It says, "No one's really mentioned one important thing about Porzingis coming from Washington. He had his best moments of his career last year." And who was his teammate? Tatum's best buddy, Mr. Beal. I'm sure he's given him the rundown. I think Tatum and KP two-man game is going to be very strong. You know what? No one really has talked about that. Or if somebody has, I haven't heard it. I know we have a tendency to say, well, I haven't heard it, so no one is talking about it. I'm sure someone's brought it up, but it's a good point. Uh, I didn't make that point. And yeah, Bradley Beal playing with Porzingis. I'm sure Tatum and, and Beal have hung out plenty of times. Over the course of the summer. They're like brothers. So they probably vacation together. Uh, their, their kids are, I think, are about the same age. So their kids probably play together. And so I'm sure they spent a lot of time talking about Porzingis. You know, who is he? Who is he in the locker room? What is he like? What does he not like? All of that stuff. Getting the full rundown. So that is a great point. I think Porzingis coming over from Washington and playing alongside Beal. And having that relationship. And not only that. Beal being able to talk to Porzingis and say, "Hey, you're playing with Tatum. This is what this is what you should know." So I think Beal could be uh, a very helpful kind of side note person here. Bradley Beal's uh, scouting report on both of those guys could help both of those guys kind of advance their chemistry. You know, it's just a little boost, a little a little XP in there to, to get these guys, uh, further along, maybe a little more quickly. So good point there. Uh, Kindell. it's, I think that's a, a solid point there. Rich says, I know I sound crazy, but I don't see how any player can score. Uh, I don't see any player able to score against Victor Wembanyama one-on-one. Do you agree? How on earth is Jason Tatum going to be able to score against such a freak of nature that we have never seen before? Well, first of all, uh, yeah, he is kind of a freak of nature. I we've hard to say what we've seen with him or not. Um, there are other guys that are, I guess, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Weminyama is s- uniquely talented. Uh, how can someone score on him one on one? I know if you're just trying to go at him and shoot over him, it's going to be tough, but let's just. Forget for a second that Wembenyama is a rookie. Let's when when Wembenyama is at his best, look, he he's he was the number one pick for a reason, right? And and going up against him is supposed to be tough because of everything that you mentioned. But scoring against a uniquely talented player like that, it, it, you can do it when you are a uniquely talented offensive player. It's just a matter of dictating the um dictating your offense and being able to uh if you're just going one on one being able to understand what are his tendencies what does he like to do does he bite for fakes how does he like to jump for you know his block shots uh you can if you're driving you can wrong foot him right you can be driving left and all of a sudden you instead of taking your you know uh, left, right jump and, and try to finish with your left hand, you just you just jump off your left foot and go right up and you throw the timing off. You know you can you can use uh, little tricks here and there. Uh, I'm a big fan of you know getting low into a guy like that and and using a shoulder, use your body to kind of push him and and don't extend that arm, but you push. And you, you kind of use his momentum against them. And then you stop, you, he's going that way. And then you stop and kind of fade a little bit. And you shoot like just a little fadeaway shot. You, you can get a, enough separation to get your shot off. You got to know those tricks against these guys. It's not always going to work. He's supposed to be an elite defender because he's just a weirdly proportioned, uh, player. And he's also a very, very good player, but It's, it's, there are going to be ways to score on him. I think at his best, if he reaches his potential, he won't, you know, it won't be easy to score on him. But I think score, if you got him one on one, it's just get him going one direction. You end up finding a way to go a different direction. And you just got to clear yourself enough space to get a shot off or get an up fake and draw a foul or. Get him coming to you, use a hesitation, and find a way to get past him and get yourself to the rim and keep your body between him and the ball and hope that he doesn't, like, go-go gadget arm and uh, block the shot. There are, there are ways, but it's not going to be easy. Paul says, how do you feel about Scal as a color commentator? I like Scal. I think is pretty good. I think one of the things early on with Scal, and it's tough for me to, to really, really judge these things because my, the way I watch and process basketball is different than the, a fan, just a regular fan watching basketball. Um, because just because I've been around, um, I think I know the game at a, at a, a pretty high level. Um, I see the game at a, a fairly high level. Uh, I think, um, Maybe I, I don't process it as quickly. I definitely don't process it as quickly as Scal does. Um, but I I like a little bit more explaining about how plays work and how certain things work. I think some people criticize Scal for being honest. Um, I think coming off of Tommy Heinsohn, the hometown crowd, I think nowadays especially – wants a biased color commentator. I think they want somebody who's going to be like, oh, that was a, foul. they want Tommy. They want Tommy. Everything was a foul. And when, you know, Scal says, oh, that was a foul. Let me see that again. He goes, oh, no, nope. That was a good call. People are like, criticize him for that. I say, that's, that's how it should be. If it's a good call, if it looks like it's a foul, and then you say, oh no, that's actually a good call. Then that's what a color commentator is supposed to do. Right. He's supposed to give you, he's supposed to add color to the broadcast and it doesn't all have to be super biased. I mean, he's a former Celtic. He's, he's biased enough and he's kind of rooting. You can hear him rooting for certain things like obviously, but if I, I like, I like some of his honesty, um, and I don't know, I don't know that everybody does. I, I prefer the honesty. I prefer that if I were doing that job, which I would love to give it a shot someday. Um, I would try to be honest too. Like, I think that the, that job is you if, if you have that job, it's to explain certain things to the fans. um, you're adding some element of expertise to the broadcast and you're adding some element of personality. And I think he does all of that stuff. Uh, I, I kind of like skill. I think he's, I think he's good at that job. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to have a little bit more fun. Talk about city edition jerseys, my favorite dunk and the best player from each decade. We're going to talk about all of that in just a second. Just a reminder here. We're back to five days a week. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Um, we're back to uh next week monday is media day i will be there i will give you that monday night tuesday your tuesday episode is going to be full of media day stuff so make sure you're subscribed there uh this is the only 5 day a week podcast from a member of the local media coming in and like i said uh, my playing days are long 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 gone but i give you a little bit of a little bit of perspective of somebody who's who's played basketball for a living and um it's a, I think it's a unique podcast, So if you're new stick around, I hope you, I hope you enjoy it. I know it's sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's me and somebody else. It's a little bit different dynamic with me bouncing uh, ideas off of somebody else, but hopefully, uh, you enjoy both. All right, let's have some fun. Uh, Campbell says, what do you think, who do you, th- what do you think will be the design of the city edition jerseys this season? I don't know what the design will be but I can tell you what I want it to be. And you can Google, uh, green line train. I'm Googling this, Uh, green line train North station. And if you go to Google images, there's a classic photo of, uh, I'm going to show that. I don't even know who, well, this is from Wikipedia. So I can, uh, I can share this. Uh, on the YouTube, this is going to be on the YouTube page, but I will explain. Uh, let me just do this. Uh, share my screen, and there we go. Okay, now on the YouTube page. Whoa! <laughs> Let's just let me let me try that again. Um, okay. Well. This is going to have to, this is going to have to do for now. I'm sharing it on my YouTube page. Sorry, audio folks. Um, You can go to the audio, you can go to the video version for this part. Uh, But this is the picture. This is a, a picture easily found. This is what I want the, the uniform to be green. So what you're, if you're not seeing this picture, it, this is an old photo of a green line train driving in front of the old Boston garden. Okay. The old North station, the elevated green line that, that used to pass right in front of the old Boston garden. So the green line train has a white top, a black strip down the middle and green at the bottom. So green shorts, green shorts. Look at the bottom. This is kind of like, you can see it. If you squint white Jersey, black belt, green shorts, and that Boston garden in that yellow font is the Boston logo. Now, somebody who has, oh man, sorry about that look. Uh, someone who has artistic ability to make that look good. Maybe you can play with it a little bit. Maybe it's not the yellow. Maybe it's still the green, but that's the font. I don't know. But the that picture is so iconic. I think... Uh, A jersey with the white jersey, the white top, the black down the middle as the belt, and the green there for the shorts would work, especially if you've got piping up the side that's green and a little trim around that's green, and you can make – you can add some white elements to the shorts to make it work. It look probably look a little old school, but I think that would be an amazing city jersey with that lettering in the yellow. I like that idea with that lettering in the yellow, that takes that, that is a specific piece of Boston history. There's no better city edition, or I shouldn't say no better, but there, that would be, I think one hell of a city edition Jersey. If someone with artistic ability could actually take that and make it work. Uh, So that's what I would like. Stop making everything Irish. I know it's Boston. It's the Celtics. The Celtics are Irish. Boston is notoriously Irish. Boston's a lot of things though. It doesn't all have to be some version of Irish. Let's expand our palettes. Now I am as, look, I wrote a book on Celtics history. I grew up in new England. I understand the history and all of that. But if you're going to do city edition jerseys, if you're going to take one out of five jerseys, get funky with it. I think you can get funky with it and just have some fun. You're not messing with the traditional white and green jerseys or the green and white jerseys. Those are the ones you're going to use a majority of the time. But hey, if you're going to have a city edition jersey and Nike is going to make that anyway, let's let's play with it a little bit. Let's have some fun with use the city of Boston, use the paint. People have suggested this use the gas tanks, um, the, with the, the rainbow down the side. That's a possibility that everybody in Boston knows what that is. Use Boston use, I don't know, use the, uh, freedom trail with the brick, you know, the bricks down, use the brick piping. you make the bricks, the piping down the side that I don't know, give it a shot. If it's ugly, it's ugly. Then you, you get rid of it, but take some chances. You know, you're already don't. There's no tradition in city edition jerseys. There's traditional home in a way, whatever they call it, icon edition, whatever. But go ahead and have fun with the city edition jersey. I like my concept of the green line and the uh passing in front of North Station. I think that would be uh, a great way to go. But I, it's 2023, things have changed. Can't can't clutch onto the past we're being pulled away from it anyway just lean into it a little bit you still have a tons of history that that still exists um all right let's move on vincent says hey john what's your favorite dunk that you can remember watching even if it was on tv uh his is um well one of them is the uh vince carter on frederick weiss uh, which, you know, very clearly, you know, jump over uh, a human being, uh, that's that's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, his, his favorite one is Tom Chambers dunking on the entire Boston Celtics uh, front line. Tom Chambers has a couple of, like, amazing dunks in his career. Um, okay, so Tom Chambers, sure, but that's not my favorite. My favorite dunk that I've seen in my entire life is, um, is Sean Kemp on Alton Lister, Google Sean Kemp on Alton Lister. If you're young and you don't know what, what it is, if you're old like me and you just want to relive the glory, it's one of the most amazing, just vicious facial posterizations because not only did Sean Kemp just cradle and I think Sean Kemp might have been the best in-game dunker he's he's in the he's in the class photo right in-game dunkers he, he was terrible in in dunk contests but in-game amazing one of the best of all time if not the best he comes down the middle of the lane right side of the lane kind of and just cradles it and rolls it around and just crushes on Alton Lister. And then Alton Lister falls back, no foul called. Sean Kemp lands in a crouch and then points and does like a boom, boom. And like, oh, that is the most amazing in-game dunk with a level of disrespect At the end, just beautiful and no call, no technical foul, no nothing. The moment just lives gloriously in history. I'm so glad that it is unsullied by a whistle because I love that it goes on. I love that there was a little bit of a taunt at the end. It was just perfect the whole way. And Alton Lister just sat there on his back and just like, damn, (laughs) there's nothing you could do about that. Steph says, who do you think the best Celtics player from each decade? Uh, Who do you think is the best Celtics player from each decade? All right. There's some interesting little wrinkles here. All right. So we're going to start in the fifties. This, this, the uh, NBA uh, merged with the BAA in the late forties. Those late forties teams, the BAA Celtics don't really count. I'm starting with 1950. Um, And, and, the fifties are an interesting little place because Bill Russell shows up in the 56, 57 season. So he's, he's got almost half the decade there, but Bob Cousy was there for basically the whole thing. So you get a few seasons of Bill Russell and an entire decade of Bob Cousy. So in the first half of the fifties, it was Cousy. He's the first showman in the NBA. He's doing things that that people in the NBA uh, couldn't even fathom. But the Celtics were losing. They were losing playoff games. They were losing playoff series. They had a reputation at that point of being uh chokers. They couldn't they couldn't live up to the expectations. Then Bill Russell showed up and they just suddenly became gods. They could never lose. They lost twice in his entire, his entire time there. So, um, I could easily say Bill Russell was the best player of the decade, even in those three years. But if you want to give Kuzi, I would say koozie because he was there for the whole decade. And then you just give the sixties to Bill Russell, because that's very obvious. Um, but if you want to say, Hey, those three years or four years that he was there, um, I think the fifty nine sixty that, that starts the next season, um, the next decade, but whatever, however we characterize it. If you say, Hey, give it to Russell because they started winning championships. Oh, okay. It's a few years, uh, versus the entire decade. I'm going to give Kuz the, the nod just to have a different name there. Uh, Russ obviously has the entire sixties dominates he's obviously the, the 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 best player of the 60s uh 70s goes to Havlicek. i think that's obvious um although the, you know i we'll just i'm not even going to say although it's Havlicek. bird in the 80s that's obvious um the 90s uh oh, the 90s the 90s should have been Reggie Lewis i should be able to say 60s was russell 70s was Havlicek, 80s was bird 90s was reggie lewis Boom, 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 boom. But obviously, it wasn't Reggie Lewis. Um, I think the 90s is D Brown, which I love D. Brown. I bought a pair of Reebok pumps just because of D. Brown. I remember being in high school playing, uh playing in a game and pumping up my sneakers because D Brown pumped up his sneakers. Um so Dino Raja was there. He only played four seasons. Four seasons is great if you're a hotel chain, but it's not, I think, if you're an NBA player. So I can't give it to Raja. I mean, only Bill Russell gets the benefit of playing four seasons and and owning an entire decade. So I think the 90s is D Brown, which is wild to say. Uh, that tells you how bad the 90s were. Um, that's the Rick Pitino era. I probably should bleep that out because I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast. And uh, Rick Pitino is a curse word in Boston. So, uh, but I'm going to let that go. 2000s was Paul Pierce. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you have KG coming in late, late to the mix. Uh, but in 20 the 2010s, that gets weird. Uh, because Rondo was there, but he was only there for half of it. No one is good enough in this to to own the decade. No one is the best player of the decade in the 2010s because it's a real, real transition. Rondo is the best player to start. Uh, Marcus Smart is there for most of it. You get three years of Jalen Brown and two years of Jason Tatum. And three years of Jalen Brown, his rookie year was not that great. His second year was better, but not that great. So Tatum's rookie year was good, uh, but not worthy of, of, you know, anything special. Um, so while Tatum gets the 2020s so far, I might give the 2010s to Marcus smart because it's again, the, the, the big three era has ended. So you don't get enough of KG. Rondo's around for a while, but he gets traded. Smart is there for the biggest chunk of it and has the biggest impact. I think, uh, obviously in the middle of the 2010s, there's a lot of upheaval, a big, big rebuild in the middle of it. So players are in and out. The best players of these teams, you know, Tatum and Brown aren't good enough yet in this decade to say, Oh, those are the guys. Cause you've only had like one or two decent years. Marcus smart's been around for the whole thing. And I think I got to give it to him, Marcus smart player of the 2010s. Yeah. What the hell? Why not? Oh my, some people are going to be pissed, but go ahead and give me a better option. Tell I'd love to hear it. Hop in the YouTube comments. Let me know. Let's wrap it up real quick. Uh, Shiraz says, Uh, if you were in your basketball prime today, Oh baby, I wish I was in my basketball prime today. Which player would you be most interested in working out with? Uh, all right. Let's just say I was able to work out with any, either of these guys. LeBron would be, I think a huge, I want to know how he does it. How do you stay healthy? How do you, how do you plan things out? How do you keep yourself from getting hurt? How have you kept yourself from getting hurt? I want to know. I want to know what the plan is. What's what's the secret to your longevity um he's a big dude uh he's he's not small like as far as like muscular wise he's 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 built pretty well right he's he's like a linebacker um at six, seven, six, eight. 68 uh, so it's i want to know i want to know the secret uh and then steph curry was a guy like how do you run as much as you run how do you stay in that kind of shape he runs forever How do you run that well and still like dribble the way you dribble and shoot the way you shoot and, and keep up that, that, um, stamina. I'd love to, I'd love to know how you do it. And then just how do you hone those skills? So those, those are my two guys. Um, honestly, there are so many guys in the NBA, the way they work out now, I you can almost pick anybody, but. Those, those guys just, I'm curious. Like I can pick Giannis. Like, I'd love to know how Giannis got the, just the body that he did going from how skinny he was Tatum, same thing going from as skinny as, as you were to the body that you have now. Um, how do you do that without going too overboard, right? Getting, going from, uh, skinny, you have that tendency of just lift, 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 What's what, what are the mechanics of that? How do you, how do you get to basketball strong without going too far over? And I think I know some of the the stuff, but these guys are working at such an advanced level. It'd be very, very curious. All right. As, uh, as I've said before, johncorrales.com slash mailbag to submit your questions. Love it. Thank you. Everybody. Serious questions, fun questions. Uh, I, when I do a full mailbag episode, I save the fun questions for the third segment so we can, you know, get a little, have a little fun, whatever, uh, NBA questions, Celtics questions, whatever you want. They're all there. Submit your questions, johncorrales.com slash mailbag subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, if you're still with me at this point on the podcast, thank you for doing so. Uh, I would love it if you, then you, you know, if you're in everyday or if you're here with me every Monday through Friday, thank you so much for doing that. Can you help me out? By sharing the podcast, let everybody know that they can listen to and watch the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.